my 20s, so rather than put money into a savings account, my friend and I want to invest so we can make more for a house deposit. We want to buy together in like five years. Do you have any advice? I want to grow my money and be in control. I want to be that rad auntie that goes to Europe every year, brings back amazing presents and has fancy dinner parties with an amazing wardrobe to match. I think I need to invest. I want to be an investor. How do I invest? They say the earlier you get a handle on money, the better you'll be throughout your life. But since most of us didn't get a crash course in personal finance from our parents, we, including me, spend most of our lives just winging it with money. Kia ora e te I'm Michelle Acourt and this is Power Money Security, brought to you by The Table, where Kiwi women talk money, sponsored by Mercer. Over these five episodes, I'm getting to the bottom of how women can become financially secure, why we haven't been, and what we can do about it. We'll be talking with real people and offering real-world advice. None of that unrelatable, jargon-loaded hoo-ha. Let's get cracking with our fourth episode then, Investing 101. Right now, we're going to discuss the basics of investing and what we could be doing more of to prepare so we have a bigger piece of the pie when we need it. And don't worry about your age or your understanding of financial stuff. If you're a rookie, I'm meeting some financial ninjas who will explain that it's never too late to start and it's much easier than you think. Let's do this. Power Money Security is brought to you by The Table, where Kiwi women talk money. Sponsored by Mercer. See seatatthetable.co.nz for more info and in-depth tools to educate and empower women to get ahead in financial matters. I have to say that being rich was never a goal for me. I was always more focused on wanting to create work, the the writing and the performing. But I got some really good advice from my grandmother very early on about always having a savings account because, she said, rainy days would come and they'd be less stormy if I had money set aside. Once I became a parent, I saw how money would make life less stressful and more fun for her and for me. And I finally got around to putting a value on myself and started to see the point of not just saving, but investing. Though it's best to start saving and investing as soon as you start earning money, even if it's only $10 a week. The discipline, the skills and practical experience of fundamentals like compound interest or understanding how your money is invested can benefit you for the rest of your life. Sadly, though, many of us weren't given the opportunity to learn the stuff from the start of our working lives, most likely because no one told us it was important. When you think about popular culture depictions of investors and wealth, you might think of movies like um, Wolf of Wall Street, The Big Short, or the original Wall Street. In these films, the movers and shakers are usually men, often yelling down phones at other men, or maybe doling out advice about greed being good. I'm not sure it's that relatable for the average Kiwi woman. While we're all much smarter these days at seeing through Hollywood's version of the world, these kind of tropes still create stumbling blocks that can make us feel like wealth is something for other people, not us. But the truth is, it's never too late to get a handle on the basics. No need for a power suit, some comfy work-from-home pants will do. But it's time to start taking some notes. In our next and final episode of the series, we're going to discuss how to plan out a money roadmap. It'll be kind of like taking a road trip with our ears. 
Only you don't have to pay for petrol. Ha! And at the end of it, you'll have a plan for the future instead of a numbum. Right now, though, getting a handle on the basics and demystifying investment as a significant step to breaking down barriers and moving forward. So, let's go! Today's show, Investing 101, will help us grasp the fundamentals of investing so that we have the confidence and the understanding of how to get our money working hard for us in order to create a fabulous and free future for ourselves. As always, I don't have any of the answers and I'm learning alongside you, but what I do have is plenty of questions. And today's fantastic guests are going to walk us through some of the things women should know about investing through their ages. Joining us today is the wonderful Kylie Willamont, who is the Pacific Chief Investments Officer at Mercer. Kylie leads the investment solutions portfolio management team, who are responsible for managing over $30 billion in assets within Mercer's multi-manager funds. Before joining Mercer in 2017, Kylie gained 27 years of experience in financial services, including 14 years in investment management. She holds a Master's of Applied Finance from Macquarie University and is a Certified Investment Management Analyst. So welcome, Kylie. Simran Kaur is a real trailblazer when it comes to women and investing. Alongside her best friend, Sonia Gupsan, Simran is the co-host of the hugely popular podcast, Girls That Invest, which has been featured in Vogue. Go New Zealand! Simran wants to make investing less daunting for women by demystifying many of the concepts in the investment world. So she's exactly who we need on board today. Kia ora Simran and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. What do you think defined your relationship with money, Simran? I didn't come from a family where investing was normal. I remember bringing it up with my dad and kind of just saying, what are these numbers that come on the six o'clock news? And he kind of, he he tried his best. Um, He fumbled a little bit. And to me, I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'll just never understand it. And I kind of closed that chapter. And I think that's what a lot of us do. We don't have... I guess, the confidence to go, "Mm, that doesn't make sense. Can you try say that again? Can you say it in a different way? Can I find a different teacher? Um, And so that's kind of how I grew up. And it was only when I was in university when I went, no, let me try this again. Surely it can't be that hard. And um, I took a certificate in financial markets just for fun, as as you do. And (laughs) It sounds like a good time. It was was great. And I just realized that it was so much easier than I had expected. And I just, I was almost angry. I was almost mad at how simple the stock market is, how simple investing is. And I'd spent my whole life seeing it as this thing that, you know, you see men in suits do and you think that's not for me. And I don't know why we just associate that if a man is in a suit doing something, it's just hard. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think there's a plan? Do you think the patriarchy actually plans consciously to shut women out? I wonder this a lot and I would say that I don't know if it was done on purpose or not but you have to remember that the market and the way that the financial services worked were created by men and they had men in mind. They didn't have women on those boards back then, you know, two, three generations ago saying, well, what about this? Let's consider that. So maybe on purpose, maybe not, but it was it still happened that way. How about you, Kylie? What started you on your money journey? One of the major financial aha moments that I think I ever had was actually around my father when he came to retire. 
And this was just before the global financial crisis. And then he came to me one day with his superannuation statement and asked me why his balance had fallen so much. And he wondered whether it was a mistake from the superannuation fund. And what I realised was that he had been invested in this very high risk, high growth investment strategy with his superannuation and hadn't really realised that. And he'd borne almost the full brunt of the fall in markets around that time. And my heart really fell um, because if we'd thought about that ahead of time, we could have got him into something that was right for him. Um, And so there was a really big lesson in that, which is around, you know, making sure that one, you plan early uh, and start saving early, but also the importance of when you're thinking about your investments, that you're in the right type of investment for you at the right time of your life. So in our last episode, we said that the best way for you to build your financial freedom and well-being is to have a better relationship with money. And a key part of this is understanding investment. We're going to simplify some of the terms around investment, take out the jargon and empower you with information so that you can start looking at investments yourself. What we're not going to do is give you hot tips on which stocks to buy or teach you how to yell down the phone on the trading floor. What we'll do today is give you what it says on the tin, Investment 101. This will give you the confidence to get started in style. What do you think, Kylie? If people got a KiwiSaver account, obviously they might already be an investor and not even be aware of it. Of course, you can have money in a normal savings account, but it's not going to give you a lot in terms of return or you're not going to be able to grow that balance, particularly where cash rates are right now, which is pretty low. So the benefit of investing and putting money away for the longer term is that it gives you the ability to really take a different type of investment strategy so that you can really look to get a a better return over time on those savings that you put away so that you can really look to grow that balance. And there's something in investing called compound interest, which means those returns that you're getting on that investment, they compound and so they sort of add up over time. And so Ultimately, it means that your balance is bigger, which gives you more options with what you're able to do with it. Yeah, we've been talking about compound interest in an earlier episode and decided it is one of the sexiest things on the planet. Kind of. <laughs> I have never heard it described that, but I like it. <laughs> We're getting quite hot and bothered about it in this series, I tell you. Sometimes the language um, is a barrier for us and we hear words like um, bonds and stocks but don't necessarily know what they mean. Can you explain what investing is? What is the stock market? What are bonds and stocks? Sure. I might start with stocks or shares. That would be another term for them because it might be the easier one. And so if you buy a share or a stock, you're essentially becoming a little part owner of the company that you're buying those shares in. And the company really takes your investment, your cash and the cash that they get from all of the other shareholders, and they use that to invest it back into the company to really help grow the company. And then they pay it back to you a little bit in the form of what's called a dividend. But if they use your money and the other shareholders' money in the right way, they can also grow the company and that should mean that the share price also goes up. And so if you buy the share at $10 today and can sell it at $15 later, 
you've realised what's called a capital gain or the capital growth that comes out of it. Now, altogether, a stock exchange is all of the companies that are listed on a stock exchange, and it's usually better to be invested in more than one so you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. In New Zealand, some of the common names you might know that are very large uh, companies on the New Zealand Stock Exchange would be things like Fisher & Paykel, A2 Milk, Fonterra, Auckland Airport. Of course, globally, you're talking about companies like Apple, Microsoft, So that's the shares. Um, The other type of common investment you might hear of is bonds. Now, that's a little bit more like a loan, except you're the one that's actually lending money to a company to be able to fund their operations. The people who own the bonds give this loan to the company. They use it to fund their operations. They will also pay you back a coupon, just another name really for an interest payment. And at the end of the loan, they will pay you back all the capital. So it's a little bit trickier to access bonds as an individual. To really access bond investments, you're probably having to go through some kind of investment manager or managed fund scheme. Shares usually go up and down more in the short term, but typically return more over the long term. Bonds are what we call defensive assets. And so they tend to be lower risk in the short term, but that also comes with a lower return in a portfolio that's got both shares and bonds, that gives you a lot of what we call diversification because, again, you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Samran, you're largely self-taught when it comes to investing. Can we talk a bit about why you started Girls That Invest? Why was this something that was important to you? A lot of the experiences that Sonia and I have had, we do come from a somewhat patriarchal background, you know, in our cultures. We're both Indian. And growing up, we saw a lot of the ways that women were perhaps held back because of finances. You know, if you didn't make a lot of money, you couldn't leave a certain situation, whether that be a bad job, a bad relationship. If you didn't have the money to leave, your options were just narrower and narrower. And so we kind of wanted to take that approach and say, well, look, it's important to have an emergency fund. It's okay to be a stay-at-home parent if that's what you want to do, but have an investment for yourself. Have something coming in that you can rely on. And so that's kind of where we came from. Um, and again, when when I was doing sort of my learnings, realising how easy it was, I was like, we can explain this in very simple terms. I love that. My first investment was in an ETF, which is an exchange trade fund, which is like a basket um, filled with lots of companies, and it was a US ETF. Um, So I invested in a basket filled with 500 companies in the US called the S&P 500. And so that was my first one. And then my second one was Amazon. And I still clearly remember I bought the Amazon share. It dropped by $2. And I was like, oh, my God, I've made a mistake. And I pulled out the money straight away. And then I was like, no, I know I'm not meant to do that. So I put it back again. (laughs) And back then, fees were like eight US dollars every time you bought and sold a share. Right. Um, So I lost $24 in that process. What other things do you think are important to know about when you're starting out? What do you wish you'd known from the start? One of the key things that we've seen in our community is a lot of women, we tend to put money into a savings account, which makes sense because that's what we get taught and we're good savers. But the difference between a savings account and an investing account 
is with the savings account, the benefit is you'll always have that money. If you've got $1,000 in there, you'll have $1,000 next week, you'll have $1,000 in a year's time. But there's this thing called inflation, and inflation is that little thing that chips away every year on your money. And so how much money you have is still $1,000, but what you can do with $1,000 drops down year by year. And so that's something that we didn't get taught growing up. You know, I would say Sonia and I were very privileged. We went to some of the best public schools in New Zealand, and we never got taught any of this. And I just don't know what would have happened to the people that didn't have such good schooling. They definitely wouldn't have had money education either. And so it's these things that you think you'd be taught, but you just don't get taught. So inflation is that thing that causes people to go, well, I don't want to put $1,000 into my savings account because I don't need that money for five, 10 years. I'll put it into an investing account and that hopefully gives me a return of something like 7% or 6% as opposed to the inflation chipping away at about 2%. So investing is much easier than you thought. Should people put all their available cash into investments or are there other things that you should have on your money agenda, as it were? For myself, I usually don't put everything I own into investments, which is saying something, you know, I, I love talking about the share market, but it's not a savings account. You don't want to treat it where you put all your money in when you need it, you take it out. If there's money that I don't need for about five years onwards, that goes into my shares account. If there's money I need within a five-year period, that either just goes into a high-yield savings account, which is a savings account that usually gives you more than you know the 0.5% that you see these days, or into a term deposit, which is, again, making your money work for you, but at the same time, you're not taking on that risk for the possibility that the market can drop in that shorter time frame. Yeah. What about KiwiSaver? Are you? Uh, yep, yeah. Yep. I'm a huge fan of KiwiSaver. I think if you think about it, if your employer matches you 3% and you're putting in that 3%, that's a 100% return on your money. And no stock market investment is going to give you a guaranteed 100% return. So I'm, I'm all for it. What about ethical investing, Kylie? This is something I think about a lot. I mean, I'd love to retire with a nice fat wad of cash, but I don't want to do it at the expense of the environment or other people's well-being. I don't want to find out that I'm accidentally responsible for harming the environment or investing in weapons. How can I be sure that my money is being invested in a way that sits with my values? This is becoming increasingly important to a lot of investors. And if we think about women investors, they probably have a lot of concerns about where their money is going to. So ethical investing is something that we're really passionate about at Mercer. If a company is not good at managing, you know, their impact on the environment, their impact on society, or they're not well governed, that can have an impact on, on their future return potential. So we worry about that as investors, but we also know people are concerned about where they direct their investments to. And so there's two ways that you could think about it. One is what don't I want to invest in? Usually it's called exclusion. So if you're looking at particular KiwiSaver investment or a managed fund scheme, you might be wanting to look to see um, are they investing in some of the things that you might not want to be supporting or investing in? So you're looking for exclusions. That makes so much sense. But the other thing, which I think is probably the more exciting part, is what do they invest in and do they have strategies where they're really trying to direct capital to support things like renewable energy, for example. So it's sort of the positive and the negative. What don't I want to invest in and what, what do I want to support and help help grow? 
So um, you, how do you find out about this? Well, usually if you go to uh, the investment manager's website or your KiwiSaver provider's website, you'd be able to see some information there on their ethical investing or sustainable investing approach. There's much more of a wide-held belief in the investment community that these things are very aligned with the future return prospects of the companies that we're investing in. And so we very much believe that you don't have to give up return to invest ethically or sustainably. What do you think, Simran? I would say that ethical investing is more of a trend with Gen Z and millennials in general, where we want to buy things that are sustainable. That's kind of trickling into the investing world as well and people want to invest in companies that they believe in that are, you know, carbon neutral or are B Corps or are companies that, you know, stand for whatever they believe in and don't invest in things that they don't believe in. Let's talk about money myths now. Do I need lots of money to start investing? Investment has always had this veneer of being a rich person's game, partly because of those Hollywood tropes. I used to think this, um, but I think Wolf of Wall Street does a good job of um, making investing seem like something it isn't. And that's one way of investing, but it's not necessarily the way most people invest. Back in the day, we've heard stories of people going up to mutual fund managers and saying, I'd like to invest, you know, I've got a good job. And the managers would say, look, if you don't have $10,000, leave. I don't think a lot of us, even now, would have a spare $10,000 to throw into an investment. But nowadays there's this thing called fractional shares. It's the idea that you can take a share, let's say the share price is $100 for one share of, um, you know, Air New Zealand. Let's say you don't have $100, but you've got $10. You can still put $10 into Air New Zealand. It just means you've got 10% of one Air New Zealand share. And if Air New Zealand goes up 5%, your $10 goes up 5%. If it drops 2%, you drop 2%. But it's such a lower barrier of entry. And the reason why you can, you know, invest with just a dollar now is due to those micro-investing platforms that are available um, that weren't around, you know, five, 10 years ago. I love that. How about you, Kylie? I can definitely tell you that my day-to-day life as an investor is very little, like the Wolf of Wall Street. And I do think perhaps that some of those movies that really play into that very alpha male kind of dynamic, you know, probably give us a, a pretty poor reputation. What I can tell you is that investing shouldn't be seen as a get rich quick scheme. I wonder how many of the losers they don't actually tell you about. So I'm ready. How do I do it? We had our caller at the beginning of the show who said she wanted to grow her money and be in control and be that rad auntie that goes to Europe every year and brings back amazing presents and has fancy dinner parties with an amazing wardrobe to match. She wants to be an investor. So how does she do it? Kylie? There's a few different ways you can do it. And we talked a little bit earlier about obviously there's the online share trading tools. And so you could go on there and buy some shares yourself and, you know, look after your portfolio. But to be honest, I think for most people that can be quite daunting because what do you buy? How many different types of shares do you buy? Is that a good price? Is that paying too much? Um, So I, I would think most people might not feel like they've got the confidence to be able to do that. So another way to do it is really through managed fund schemes. And then what you're doing there is it's actually making it really easy for you because you just have to buy into the managed fund. And behind there, 
is a skilled investment manager or probably a whole team whose career it is, whose special expertise it is, is to put the portfolios together in a really robust way, give you access to that nicely diversified portfolio um, and you just really have to sit back and watch it grow over time. Yeah, fantastic. What about risk? We, I mean, we've talked a bit about risk. Are there ages and stages that we could talk about? Time frame is very, very important uh, when it comes to investing because there's a really strong relationship between how long you invest for and the type of return you're able to get. And so what does that mean? When you're very young, um, and if you're investing, say, for your retirement, if you're putting money away into your KiwiSaver, then you can probably afford to take what we'd call a very high growth strategy because you've got a long time until you need the money. You've got all the time to really ride the market ups and downs and you give yourself the best chance of generating the highest return or growing your balance the most. But you can also use your KiwiSaver account to help save for a home deposit and then access it when you need it. Now, that's something a little bit different to saving for your retirement because you maybe you start saving, I don't know, five years out from when you want to actually buy the house or maybe it's 10 years out. But that's a much shorter time frame than obviously if you're in your 20s and you're investing for your retirement. So then rather than taking that high growth strategy, you might want to be looking at taking something that's a little bit more conservative, maybe a moderate growth type strategy so that you can still have the ability to grow your contributions as you're saving for that house deposit, but you're not taking too much risk. And then when you come to that exciting time when you buy your house, hopefully your savings have built up through the, that beautiful power of compound interest in the return that you've got. What do you think, Simran? It's about working out, well, how do you make money through investments? And there's two ways. One is capital gains. So you can either invest in companies, you hope that those companies go up in price, and then you cash out. That's one way of doing it. And that's a lot more risky. The other is managed funds, as we sort of spoke of, a little bit less risky. But again, there's still the risk that they don't perform well in that short period of time. You know, if you're planning to go on an overseas holiday in a year, you don't know if the market's going to do well or not. If you're talking about this kind of lifestyle in five years or 10 years, you've probably got a better chance of having a return. And then there's dividends, which some people live off. I like to think of dividends like rent from a house that you own. You get you know, a, a small amount every quarter from the companies that you have shares in. It's basically like the company saying, thank you for being with us. The downside of dividends, though, is that they don't owe it to you. And so during COVID, we saw a lot of companies um, say, well, actually, we're not doing so well. We're not going to be giving dividends out this year. And, and you can't be mad at them because there's no contract. When it comes to individual shares, you also look at kind of the boring stuff like the numbers. So you'd look at the financial statements, the balance sheet, the cash flow, you know, where is this company spending their money? For example, a company might look like they're doing really well, but that's because they're just acquiring lots of other good companies and they're not putting actually any time and energy into themselves. But I would say that with individual shares, I don't like to invest too much into them. I just look at those overall ETFs that invest in, you know, the top 500 or the top 100 companies. You know, the New Zealand NZX 50 is the top 50 companies in New Zealand. And these, um, what are they, ETFs? These are the baskets, these are the kites of a whole group of companies. Yes, and so you buy a piece of the basket rather than the individual companies. Yeah. 
Okay, myths, you've been busted. Do your research and understand the basics. It's not as risky as you think if you're doing informed decision-making and start today. And a reminder, we're looking at this with our investment lens. Go back to your previous episodes on sorting your basics, which should always be your first steps, no matter your age. Okay, guests, help us. Let's start with one of the first questions from the top of the podcast. A young woman in her 20s. She says... Rather than put money into a savings account, my friend and I want to invest so we can make more for a house deposit. We want to buy together in five years. Do you have any advice? This is something I did. You know, I just started my first ad hoc job and I thought I've got a lot more money than I've ever seen in my life before, you know, as a student. And I decided that I wanted to invest um, it in an ETF. Again, um, I sound like a broken record now. (laughs) Um, But that's what worked for me. And I said, okay, I'm going to work out what my budget is. So how much do I make every week? What needs to go to my rent? What needs to go to my food? What can I sort of drop down as much as I can? Um, And then what's left over? And what's left over would go a little bit into my savings account and a little bit into my investment account. And then as I got closer to that goal, I started putting less money into the investments and more into cash because at the end of the day, the closer you get, you know, the stock market could suddenly drop and that's um, being aware of the risks that are involved. So that's kind of the way I did it. I would say that I don't know if I'd do it again in the time frame that I did it in because this was over two years, which is very risky. But that was because that's when COVID hit. It was 2020. I put a lot of my money into the drop because I knew the drop would eventually come up, and it did, but I don't think a drop like that would happen anytime soon. Mm-mm-mm. When you say put that money into the drop, that means buying low. Yes, so yes. the shares, it's almost like, you know, if you want to buy an outfit and suddenly it's just dropped down in price for a day and you're like, yep, yeah, that's the same outfit, a lot cheaper, let me grab it today. I love that. Okay, now kids. The future feels suddenly quite scary when you've got them. What should we think about before we have them? And what can we do to try and smooth the way, financially speaking? Kylie? A couple of things I'd say about career breaks. One is thinking about it well in advance of time, because if you can start to put more away earlier, it helps to smooth out those bumpy periods that we have as women who typically, you know, taking that time out of the workforce. But whilst you're on that career break, it's really good if you can still find a little bit, maybe through your joint earnings, hopefully if you're with a, a partner or a husband, looking at that combined family income. And if you can still be putting a little bit away through that period when you're on your career break, you will be very thankful for it later. And so I would encourage people just just, just to try and, you know, just even a little bit will make all the difference later. Yeah, that might be something that you can negotiate with your partner if you have a partner and they're still working. Maybe that's a conversation that, that you can have. Yeah, of course. There are two things I keep hearing over and over again from our guests. Check your KiwiSaver whenever your circumstances change and also make compound returns your best friend. They're two fairly straightforward ideas and ones that can make a huge difference to your future. And don't forget, investment isn't scary. I feel much less scared by it now that Simran and Kylie have explained it to me and I'm feeling more empowered to just investigate these things further. Matewa. 
Power Money Security is brought to you by The Table, where Kiwi women talk money. Sponsored by Mercer. See seatatthetable.co.nz for more info and in-depth tools to educate and empower women to get ahead in financial matters. In the last episode of our series, we're making a money roadmap. What if you're a freelancer? How about budgeting? How can I be sure to hit the goals I've made for my financially secure future? Join us next time for this final crucial step towards your financial wellness and a future with much less stress devoted to money matters. This podcast is sponsored by Mercer New Zealand Limited. The podcast is a general information service and does not take account of the investment objectives, financial situation and or particular needs of any person. Before making any investment decision, you should take financial advice as to whether your intended action is appropriate in light of your particular investment needs, objectives and financial circumstances and consider the product disclosure statement for any product you're considering. Neither Mercer nor any related parties accepts any responsibility for any inaccuracy. Past performance is no guarantee or indicator of future performance.